Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I am Annie McManus. Welcome to Changes. Oh my God, this week's guest. Uh, the conversation we had was so enjoyable. I really just loved every second of it. Even thinking back on it now just puts a smile on my face. Because this woman that is our guest on Changes this week, her name is Jade Adams. She is such a force. She is so brilliant in so many ways. First of all, she's Bristolian, her accent rocks. She is multi-talented. She's an actress, she's a comedian, she's a TV host. You may have seen her do an amazing job on Strictly Come Dancing at the end of last year. She's got a stand-up special on Amazon Prime called Serious Black Jumper, which has done incredibly well. She co-hosted the BAFTA-nominated series Snack Masters and Crazy Delicious with Heston Blumenthal on Netflix. She's also starred in the BAFTA-winning Alma's Not Normal as the best friend of the main character and writer of the show, Sophie Willen, who has been a guest on Changes before. We love her. And both Sophie and Jade are so refreshing uh, when it comes to like female actresses and writers in television, making some great and well-needed changes in the TV industry. Jade's also going to be starring in the upcoming Take That movie, Greatest Days, and she is currently co-creating and filming a new series called Ruby Speaking which will be coming out on ITV2. Her latest stand-up show, Men I Can Save You, is touring the UK in March, and it's her late sister who she thanks for her comedic ability. I think it really helps that I've got, you know, I, I sort of held the person I love the most in the world as she died. I think I've got this armour that I am so lucky to have. Um, I'm really unfortunate way of getting it, but... I, I wear it with absolute pride, which is there's nothing an audience can do to hurt me because the worst thing that I will ever go through has already happened. So what else you got? Jade is so compelling, full of wisdom, hilarious, of course. She really wears her heart on her sleeve and it makes for a wonderful conversation. I completely lost track of time whilst talking to her. I could have gone on and on and on. I really hope you enjoy this. Delighted to introduce to Changes, Jade Adams. Okay, Jade, Priscilla, Gail Adams, hello and welcome to Changes. Thank you for having me, Annie. How are you? I'm really well, actually. You've caught me... Uh, in a really good space in my life, actually. How are you? Um, that's brilliant. I'm happy to hear that. I am good. I am um, also feeling optimistic. I'm delighted you're here. Thanks so much for taking the time. You do so much. I have just loved doing the research for you. You span a lot of things within entertainment. Snack guru. Oh, yeah. Actress, comedian, dancer, TV host. Um, I didn't even know until I started researching you properly that you've done proper TV, like hosting, you've done Netflix shows, you know, mad. I know it's one of those issues. I, like, I love the fact that Netflix, Amazon Prime, I love a streaming service me, 
but it does mean that um, you don't know. This is what the massive issue that happens every time Strictly's announced. Everyone's like, ew. But there are so many different platforms for people to be famous on nowadays that you just don't recognise anyone. I never do either. The only person I knew was me. That's not true. But um. (laughs) Um, So how are you about change? Are you good at it? Do you like it? I'm much better as I get older. And also, the more I'm in control of my existence, the more I'm in control of my life and I'm not adhering to someone else, the better I am at change. Because I'm like really good at adapting i don't know if you believe in all of this annie but i love having a chat about horoscopes but as a oh, do you okay mm, so I what are it. you sagittarius okay what, what does that mean because i am a horoscope what, like what are ignorance. you I, i'm cancer oh you're like the loveliest sign i'm a leaker I, yeah i cry a lot deeply emotional but also really loyal and i love a cancer oh good um, and so what does sagittarius mean Sagittarius, I, I, the, the, I'm sort of like, you know, a bit wild and love a bit of travel and change. Actually, tra- change is sort of cool in a Sagittarius's world. Um, but it hasn't yeah. been in my life at periods because I've been out of control of stuff. Change is always difficult when you don't mm. feel like you've got a grasp of what's going on around you at the time. But I'm not in that place now. I also, change is part of my, you've said it already in my lovely opening, I do lots of different things. Sure. And that's because I love changing it up. And I love switching from things. Like, I, for me, I feel like I've nailed comedy now. To me, having an Amazon Prime special that did as well as it did mm. um, is it. And I'm like, all right, oh, well, I'll just carry on touring. Tick that box. So I've ticked yep. that. And now I want to nail acting. So the next five years for me, I'm going to really sort of focus on it. I've never had acting lessons or anything but um I'm sort of getting to know how to do auditions and things like that and I'm getting parts so that's nice so I'm just going to focus on that for five years now and that's why I sort of build up a sort of plethora of things that I'm good at because I just sort of focus my attention on it and forget the past and just move forward all the time but so actually yeah no I love change that sounds really it's really impressive when someone can be that focused and kind of strategic in a constructive way about their career like just knowing exactly what you're going to do and being quite like pinpointed about it. I mean, like, okay, that's that. Where does that come from? That kind of, that laser sharp focus. I think, I mean, in the most cheesiest of ways, I think it's because I'm loved. Yeah. So I've got like true love in my life. I've got like, I know I'm loved. I don't like, if I'm feeling lonely, I'll check the calendar to see if my period's on its way. Cause I don't ever trust it. Cause I'm not a lonely person. I'm, so surrounded by people who care about me. I had a birthday party recently, Annie. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I had a birthday party and I'd had like a really good year, like just a whole year. My New Year's resolution last year was to do an entire year of no guilt and no shame. So I actually, um, I just did this whole year, felt really good. And I was com- coming up to my birthday and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to put a party on for my birthday and invite a whole bunch of people that I care about. And about, I put out about 100 invitations, about 50 people turned up. It was a small sort of top end of a pub. So it was actually, if everyone had turned up, it would have been a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, but 50 people who really care about me were all there. And I looked around the room and I was like, I don't, like, I cannot believe I've got to a point in my life and I'm loved by all these really cool people. And everyone got on with each other. They didn't really know each other. Oh, so this was, best. so this was like a yeah. sneaky, so... 
I'm going to be 40, uh, not soon, but I'm thinking 38, about... 38, no? I'm 38, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm thinking about my 40th is in two years because, like, mm-hmm. I'm not getting married at any time. So I'm never getting married. It's just never happening in my life. I'm sure of it. And then flash forward two years and I'm like, I'm getting married, Annie! <laughs> That's what I said. I said I'm never getting married. <laughs> I just don't see it happening, but you never know. But I'm going to plan my 40th like I would plan a wedding. So I, this was Perfect. a sort of preliminary sort of test to see if everyone got on with each other because I'd really love to do a weekend with my friends. But like everyone... It's a bit like cooking, like bringing people together. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of alchemy and kind of who will work with who. I get such a buzz out of that when, when people from different worlds collide and like get on it's such a buzz they all got on so well that was the thing oh, and everyone because you're the you're the common ground isn't it I you're mean, the thread so if they love you they're going to love each other and that was what the feeling was is that i looked around that room and i got the bar tab i said to them all i think after 16 negronis i said to them all um uh just i uh, you know like i've got the bar tab because i want to say thank you to all of you because without your love i wouldn't be able to do what i do oh and that's God. what it is and like you know you you lose stuff all the time and you focus on that and actually when the minute I started focusing on what is actually around me um was the uh, instead of what I could have or what is out there I sort of I was like oh actually no I feel I feel fine can we talk about your sister talking about losing stuff is that allowed I don't want to assume that we we can can just go straight there I bloody I love it I love talking about her is it true that Jenna your sister is the reason why you became a comedian in the first place. Yeah, I um, I mean, it's like some producer from the Britain's Got Talent wrote my story. But basically, when she was diagnosed with having a brain tumour, yeah, which I had never heard of before, she was, I was like, what? And they were like, she's got a brain tumour. I was like, what? That's nuts. No one in the family. So she got diagnosed, turned up to the hospital and everyone was doing what everyone does this is this is why i'm i feel i'm better than people annie (laughs) because when someone is sick or ill i will do what i think they want instead of what i really want to do which is like feel sad and be sympathetic and all this so i got there and i don't know where this abilities come from but when she was there i think this must have been the moment where i realized i was like oh i've got a job but she sort of leaned into me and she said to me will you start making everyone laugh because they're all looking at me like i'm about to die and it's doing my fucking nut in and so I was like oh I've got a job now the most important person in this room right now is oh it's giving me a job I have and a that, purpose yeah. I've got purpose in this scenario yeah and that is like I feel like one of my biggest talents I have is being able to work out what people in tense situations need from me whether that's yeah. pissing off or being helpful but never making it about me just be it like bring a lasagna I don't know like just do something useful it's just so easy to just try and do something without having to ask someone first as well but I just I did that with her for the, for the whole time I mean to the point I think she probably would have liked me to have taken it seriously at some point in those six years <laughs> but I never did um, as far as I was concerned to her she was living a long life and she wasn't allowed to become a person with cancer she like I didn't want that for her I she, I remember we lost her in um, we were in Clark's once buying some shoes right. and this was like after her operation where they removed like nearly 50% of it and some of her brain but can I ask or, how old she was so she died at 28 yeah. So she that would have been maybe four years before that, 24. She okay. was really young. 
Um, but yeah, so they removed some of her brain and some of the tum and some of the tumor, but there's, there was still some left. And then she was going to keep that managed with like sort of various pills. She rattled in the morning, but she like became her brain tumor, which is exactly what you would do. I mean, if I got a brain tumor, that would be really hard not to. But she became the sadness of it, and I used to like at the age of twenty six, I found that really difficult. But she, um, yeah, we lost her in Clark's. We were walking around, and then all of a sudden, she's gone, and she was stood. <laughs> talking to the poor shoe woman about her brain tumour and going into graphic detail about the, the operation she had and I came over to her and she was like look this is the scar and those holes there that's where the staples went oh my god who um yeah and I sort of found when I was 26 I was so young and insecure and I didn't have any confidence. She was my confidence. So she, right. if she told me to do something, I did it. Like she was the only person in the world that gave me any shit whatsoever. She just absolutely adored me. She thought I was yeah. funny. She pick. I used to like throw my bag on the floor as a kid walking home from primary school and she'd like pick it up because she'd know we'd get in trouble. She was protected me from bullies, beat the seven bells of shit out of a lad at school, hit me in the stomach with a hockey stick. We got in so much trouble. They had a scrap on the floor. Basically, we went to the headmaster's office and he hadn't left a mark, even though he'd beaten her up as well. So she like said to me, come to the toilet. And then she tried to make me punch her in the eye in the toilet. To, <laughs> so she he'd have left a mark. I did, I, so his mark, he would have left a mark, but I didn't do it. So she did it herself. And he got in loads of trouble. Wow. I know, she wow. was tough. This is the thing about her, like talking about her. Whenever someone dies, everyone becomes like just a bit of a, you know, they talk about them like they're Jesus or something. And I'm like, nah, she's totally. like yeah. such a real girl. And like, yeah, I think keeping her memory alive for me is is about telling the truth, which is that she, you know, girl was a bit rough sometimes. And I loved her for it. Yeah. She was wild. So there was six years from when you found out you had the tumour to when she passed and and in those six years, that must have been like, how did your relationship with her change, if at all? Oh, it changed completely. It was it, she went from being this sister who fought bullies for me and I looked up to her and she was the most popular girl at school to the exact opposite of it. The last right. ever conversation I had with her was on the Wednesday before she died. So she died on the Easter Sunday because, you know, a girl likes to make an exit. <laughs> um, and the Wednesday she... Um, phoned me up and she was crying about uh she was crying that her best mate hadn't told her that she was getting engaged and she'd found out from the internet and she was like she was so lonely when she died yeah it was um so she, she lost friends in the process you think she people... lost everyone right she right. lost everything everything okay. she had and also as a popular person will discover as they get older who yeah. peaked at school they are left without the skills we're seeing it in the traitors i love that program and there's this guy on there who's like really popular and good looking and he's the one that keeps breaking down in tears and it's because he has no yes I've seen he, he has no armor to deal yeah. with this i'm sat there going "Ooh, popular boy not being able to handle not being popular Ugh. Yeah. And um, it's the same. She had no skills to be able to deal with this because life right. was so easy for her. And then all of a sudden, life gets tough. But it's not just tough. It's a brain tumour. And mm. then it's death. 
I mean, knowing that she was so lonely when she died is like, I think one of, it's been one of the sort of hardest things about her. And I think that's probably why I, why I, um, you know, I'm still so emotional about it because there's nothing that time will do in order to change that feeling of regret for her yeah but you know it's no one's fault it's a brain tumor it's not fun to hang out with it's like people with mental health issues it's like people who kill themselves um they you know it's not like they have like a really amazing life up until that point where they're like just lovely to everyone it's really hard to be around people who can't function and can't be compassionate or empathetic themselves it's really hard to be around and i you know like forgiving yourself for that and forgiving myself for it and i think her friends forgiving themselves has been all part of our sort of grief process but also means all of us feel so guilty that we keep our memory alive every year and we had like the most amazing party we had like on the fifth so i had a big party for me yeah three weeks before that on the fifth of november because she was born on bonfire night because she likes to make an entry Um, (laughs) it's really difficult to forget about her bonfire night and easter sunday and easter sunday (laughs) and that day uh, the date of her death day the 24th of april splits up from easter sunday and will not come back together so it's basically a month it's a month of sadness as soon as i see those little chickens and those easter bonnets i'm fucked oh my god (laughs) you said last year you had you had this year of guilt-free and shame-free was that something to do with with how you felt about Jenna was that a part of it yeah I think it was like um I had spent 10 years feeling so guilty and feeling so much shame that I didn't um and what's the shame from is that from is that from Jenna too or is that from elsewhere just being embarrassed about stuff and like right you know not feeling confident where I need to and not also making really bad decisions for myself and having the wrong people in my life and yeah. having toxic relationships this is the first year I have entered a new year with no toxic relationships in my life wow I can't believe it I can't believe there's not a single person that I could that can phone my phone and I my stomach doesn't flip over like there's no one. I, I've never entered a year with that at all. I'm always tolerating something from someone and I haven't, I'm not anymore. I'm sure it'll come back round and there'll be someone I'm tolerating again, but it's just, it was nice to go into a new year without without that yeah. feeling, you know? Um, but it, it's interesting how, like you, again, you, in the same way that you use your, that, that kind of focus on your career, you used it on yourself. It's like you, you finally used it on yourself. You turned around and went, no, no, no. I want my life to, to improve in this way and this is how I'm going to do it. I just thought I've had enough. I've had enough of things. Do you know what? I had a therapist called Amita. I love her. I hope she listens right. to this. Okay. She, um, I haven't been back for ages. She sort of sorted me out and I haven't been back. And every now and again, I like phone her up and I'm like, this has happened. And she tells me an amazing thing. And I'm like, thanks. And then I don't, don't speak to her again. But that's a sign of a good therapist. She, you know, you need to say goodbye to a therapist. That's when it works. She's incredible. She mm. just says things and I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm paying someone to tell me what I should already know. <laughs> but um, she said to me, uh, she said, the reason why you... Um, find yourself having situations with people that 
are stressful so like personal relationships not working out or maybe business relationships not working out or something like that if you the reason you might rub up against someone in the wrong way and and not understand why is because I don't see myself the way other people see you see me she said you see yourself as the sort of lonely girl that was ignored at school and had no friends and your sister used to fight all your battles but when you walk into a room jade you soak up everything and everyone's looking at you so she said when you have a discussion with someone or anything they will think about that forever and it might be some thought thing you're just firing out there but that person will think about that meeting they've had with you and the reason is is because you've spent your whole life trying not to be the girl that's ignored and now you physically and emotionally and in your job made it impossible to ignore you and now you're surprised why people find falling out with you so difficult and I was like wow and she basically (laughs) gave me this whole like great wow with great power comes great responsibility chat and it was sort of a telling off as well yeah and it just changed everything and I was like oh I don't see myself the way the people and I had to start admitting that I'm wicked and actually it's made me a better person it's made me make better decisions um I now am responsible for my effect on people um and now I'm having a, a much happier life and it made me just end stuff and not like I don't want to end stuff in a way where it's like carrying on like if I'm ending something it's because it's done and it's over okay and I don't want nothing left I don't want nothing else sorry yeah and I don't want to affect that person's life in any way it's not like I'm like it's over but I'm going to just keep checking anyway to see if you're it's not that yeah. it's just like yeah. once I'm done I'm done done yeah god that must have been um that must have been really something kind of editing those people out of your life was it easy or hard it's taken it's taken loads of time it's taken my whole adult life to just do it and feel confident enough to go no I'm not going to be treated like this yeah I'm so generous and I'm like so nice I'm sarcastic and I'm I and I (laughs) if you've got a spot on the end of your nose I'm going to talk about it sort of vibes but I'm not like rude about it but I think sometimes it's quite quite a lot for people yeah um and that's okay I had a I was last year I um met a guy in a bar and it's the first time I've done that in a very long time Mm. years and years and years and I was in a bar and he came over and then we switched numbers after having a couple of drinks and then we were texting for like six days and um I (laughs) I just said uh, I just one day just started making loads of hints that I might really obvious ones that I might want to hang out in person face to face. Yeah. And he was being like talking to me all the time on text messaging. And I was like, oh, OK, this is be easy. I'll just I'll just drop some seeds. Let him grow. Yeah. He wasn't picking up on this or he was and he was ignoring it. So then I yeah. just stopped wanting to have WhatsApp banter banter with him. And I just said, look, I've I've left some quite huge hints. I want to hang out again and you're not picking up on them. Yeah. And then he said. <laughs> And then he said, sort of did this weird invite to the local pub that didn't have a question at the end of it. And he was like, maybe I'll be at the pub all day tomorrow. And I was like, is that a question? Are you asking me out? And he said, yeah, let's go for a swift half. And I went, look, <clears throat> I don't know if you've Googled me yet, but the words swift and huff are not really anything that you should be saying to me right now. And if you are not absolutely pleased as punch to be dating someone who is an actual movie star then you need to like go off and have a th- have a word with yourself. But I <laughs> wished him happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's such growth. That's, like, it's, it's funny, isn't it? There's certain things that like, 
are kind of measures of when you're grown, right? Like having a mortgage or owning a lawnmower or I don't know. But that is it. That knowing that someone is not going to be good for you. And even if you're kind of tempted just to go there being like, nah, my needs are not going to be met by you. So this isn't happening. Okay, Jay, let's talk about the first change question, which is the, the, the biggest change of your childhood. Looking back, what would that be, please? I think that must have been when I didn't go to the school that everyone else went to. So I went to a primary school up the road from my mum and dad's house. And it wasn't like bad, but, you know, there were like all sorts of different levels of kids. No one was rich at the school. It wasn't like a posh primary school yeah. or anything. It was just normal primary school but there were some kids there who were like really poor Mm. um and it was also meant because of that there was a lot of sort of there was a bit of bullying and stuff there um we were by no stretch of any imagination rich kids at all um uh my mum and dad our mum worked at asda and dad worked at airbus which is pretty much the most Bristolian thing I could ever say in a what sentence. What is Airbus? Airbus is um, the plant that makes the wing of the um, of the jumbo jet for the EasyJet aeroplane. Wow. Okay. And my dad's worked there for 30, 40 years and he's so good at his job um, that they tried to convince him to come back by quadrupling his uh, annual salary for one year and he was like, I've retired, him off. But he's worked, he's, he's done so well like he's just really specifically good at his job. So it's like yeah. he's, you know, neither of them have, have sort of ever been to uni or anything, but actually I've, I've had a nice childhood and um, mm. and with them and they've always been mad supportive of anything that any of us want to do. There's never been a no. So basically this change was when we were going to the secondary school, we chose like this nice secondary school that you had to go to church to get in and mum had been sending us to Sunday school for seven years without going herself to church yeah not a religious woman but she wanted Sundays off and for us to get into Redcliffe which was the 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 best school school in the area Uh it's C of E but not the best school in the area best grades comprehensive so we got in letter recommendation from the Rev we got in both me and my sister it was easier for me because she was already there yeah um and to begin with I sort of gravitated towards the popular kids as someone who would have been picked on does and yeah. then and then I ended up with the the wrong kids and they lit the school toilets on fire and then oh, they God. all ganged up and blamed me and then I was sat on my own and then two middle class girls from the school came over to me asked me if I was okay and then um welcomed me into the music room and changed my life in that moment I went from the only creative outlet I had was freestyle disco dancing at my auntie's dance school and yeah. now I was part of a music room and I stayed there for like four years. We were in the choir. I learned how to sing. Well, it wasn't as good as I am now, but I sort of learned about music, got into classical music, was in the school musicals. Um, mm. And it really just changed everything. And probably the reason I'm sat here through a series of sliding doors, the reason I'm sat here talking to you now is because of my mother's decision to send us to that school. Was Red Church different than the first school you talked about? Or was it the same school? No, so, so the, Red Cliff is Red the Cliff, secondary sorry. school. So St. Mary Redcliffe and Temple School. And then Victoria Park Junior School was the other one. And it, right. it, it, was, it, it was just a primary school, but it wasn't... Um, 
it wasn't very nice for me. I was picked on. Yeah. There's a lot of, I, there might be some people that I went to school with that would be really surprised to hear me saying that. I know that's happened. And um, why would that be? Were you like, what were you like in school? Fat. <laughs> Chubby. But personality wise. It was all about being fat. Yeah. The only shit I got was that I was fat. Oh, and that I had yellow teeth. That was my thing. It's really right. simple when you get picked on at school when you're little. It's always yeah. something. It's never like a deeper. It's never deep. It's like she's fat. Oh, and she's got yellow teeth. And there was another girl that I think was massively picked on in primary school who was also fat. There was yeah. a real thing about weight. Um, but also the bullying came from people who had terrible parents who probably were really angry and skint and you know money the money thing meant that they couldn't control their behavior and I am such a people pleaser and I was such a needy person for so long I was a bullseye for them because you know I didn't have the sort of self-esteem to go no because I was what 10 yeah 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 so secondary school then you found this group and you found the music room and that gave you a kind of a sense of purpose and a gave me all the I like I I love to cook it's my if I don't tell comedy but I prefer cooking you're Um, so good at so many things Jade I know oh my god (laughs) I love it when did you start cooking when I was about nine or ten Uh, my mum this is what happens when you've got no friends you you like hang out with your mum and right. I hung out with my mum and she used to have me stand next to her and watch her cook. So I think by the time I was 12, I was able to cook roast dinners. I love to cook for people. So my new house I've bought, I've got, a, my plan is I'm having like an 18 seater table in the kitchen. Oh so I can have huge, massive dinner parties and I'm having like the stove on the island so I can look at everyone whilst I'm cooking. Um, wow. And eventually I'd, I'm, I'm going to have like some sort of, um, I'd like a series where it's just like drinking and like yeah like drinking. Nigella yeah like you, but you in your kitchen but me in my kitchen and not as posh I think yeah. having some wild working class people peppered around that table pissed on Negronis that is a series <laughs> that's I would watch that yeah so you're in the kitchen with your mom you're 10 11 what kind of woman was is your mom and how did she influence you growing up she is a woman who's been through quite a lot and is okay. Right. So she's yeah. lost a kid, which I'd say some people would probably feel is imaginable. Yeah. But I went to see Bryony Kimming's show about her son getting ill. Um, right. And it was a Phoenix bit. I'm a Phoenix bitch. It's amazing. It's not on right. anymore, but it was amazing. And I did that classic thing and I've had it happen to me and it's really annoying, but I was crying my eyes out and she was in the bar and I know her and I was like, Bryony, how did you cope? And I was like, and then I, I was crying on her and I was like, I just look at that situation and I'm like, how did my mum cope with losing my sister? And she said, because yeah. she had you and your brother. I got a brother as well. Yeah. And she said, because you got you two and she has to, she just has to get on with it. And like, right. you know, like it was a really sort of important lesson, which is you just have to get on with it. Yeah. It's the, I know we all laugh at those mugs that you can get from all the tourist places, which is the keep calm and carry on. But it's a really good motto to have. And it's why... You know, like we we shit on this country quite a lot, but there we've got something that the Americans don't have, which is this ability to just be like, "All right," <laughs> the, the kind of stiff upper lip vibe, the kind of like just power get on with through. it, yeah, power through, yeah. You know, there's no drama, like the ability to not have as much drama. And I know there's going to be uh, American people listening to this who are going to be really offended by me saying this, but it yeah. is a quite a dramatic country. 
um <laughs> it's fe- lots of massive huge things happen and and i sometimes get annoyed that we're dragging our we're we sometimes we drag ourselves to that dramatic place as well like especially mm. with sort of the way people are on social media i've just got really into using my close friends thing on instagram so like i right. know i need to do that i now just post to like 30 people that i really like and i yeah. say whatever i want and i love it because yeah. every time i post on my um social media now i've been on strictly i i get um either if it's negative i get people going love you babe hugs hope you're okay but like i'm being sarcastic but yeah you know like they don't get that i'm sort of over i'm just talking about it yeah or if i'm like slightly controversial which as a stand-up comedian like i don't really want people policing the way i speak but they'll be like um i really liked you on strictly but i don't like that you said that and i'm like so you i feel a bit trapped (laughs) yeah fair so i've just started using close friends it's it's incredible and i i am like i i just say whatever i want to say and they all get me they understand me. yeah yeah Let's talk about then that time in London when you moved for good, you're getting shows, the drag scene was a big deal, was a big part of you and your life then. What did what did the drag scene do for you? Well, I couldn't get into stand-up. So I didn't, like I say my first gig, it was in the Queen of Oxton with a load of like cabaret performers. And I tried to find a way into stand-up, but everyone was really unfriendly that I messaged and they didn't wow. reply or they just were short. I don't know if you've met other stand-up comedians, but they are some of the worst people imaginable. Why um, do you think that is? Because being a stand-up comedian is a very powerful position. If you work out the formula to make someone laugh, you can be really influential on that person. So when you find positions of power like that, you will find terrible people floating around trying to be in that position. But the thing is with comedy, it is a formula. So some people have like a sort of natural innate ability to make people laugh. Hiya! Funny boned. Funny boned. Um, (laughs) And then some people learn how to do it. Um, But you will always find in positions of power like that. That's why everyone's like, oh my God, like so many bad people in the entertainment industry. And I'm like, how are you surprised by this? Like as soon as you see that, you'll always see the worst people nearby trying to be it because it is, it is a really, like I stand on stage in front of thousands of people who love me and I can get them to do anything I want as well. I, I tend to keep it all like nice and compassionate and empathetic and, and lovely. I don't tend to get them to do bad stuff, but I could, there's a way of doing it. We're watching, I'm bringing it up again. We're watching the traitors. We're watching about how easy it is to influence people when when there is stuff at stake. And it is, as a comedian, quite easy to manipulate an audience for sure. Um, But that's why. I mean, uh, watching you on stage, I am always just in awe of stand-ups because of the confidence it takes to be able to harness that power and own it and and kind of sit comfortably in that position where you are so influential over people. I'm just in awe of the level of confidence that it takes for you just to walk out on stage and fucking own it in the way that you do. It's the day that you realise, because it does look massively impressive when you look at it from the outside so and you've does. not been able to do it. Once you have done it for a while, you real there's like a click that happens and you're like oh, this isn't as hard as I have been convincing myself that it is so I don't actually succeed. And in fact, what the audience want from me is for me to go up there and own it 
and they yeah, want they to need feel, you to do that they yeah. need me they want me to tell them what we're doing and where we're going they yeah. want to feel safe in my hands yeah um and they and that's all they want they just want me to do well all audiences are willing their act to do that and um yeah and i think once you work that click out in your body and you just decide and i think it really helps that i've got you know i i sort of held the person i love the most in the world as she died i think I've got this armor that I am so lucky to have. Um, mm. I'm really unfortunate way of getting it, but I, I wear it with absolute pride, which is there's nothing an audience can do to hurt me because the worst thing that I will ever go through has already happened. So what else you got? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Talking about the grief from Jenna, you talk about Jenna on stage. Was that part of it? Was that something you needed to do? And, and what did that do for your grief? I just feel like comedy is so important for the practice of comedy. It's the only thing that's helped me with my grief. Because... I think that, well, the formula is tragedy plus time equals comedy. So yeah. comedy doesn't exist without tragedy. I've never heard of that formula before. Yeah, it's it like a, so much sense. I didn't come up with it. Mm. Um, but it was an old, sort of an old fashioned sort of idea. I mean, a lot of sort of, <clears throat> talk to a lot of straight white guys who get angry about not getting gigs and stuff would say, why does everyone do a sad show? And I've done several. Um, mm. I don't do sad shows. My shows are, f I, I make people laugh for 55 minutes and then at the end I like sell, say some poignant thing about something I care about, you know? Yeah. What else yeah, yeah. yeah. My tickets sell, all right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I feel like for me, like the most important thing for my grief because grief is love and it's like that's exactly you know like the the loss of something is just so hard to and we're all going to go through it and you know course. what there's there it's is inevitable. absolutely nothing in our education system to help us manage something we're all going to go through and is detrimental to being able to live as a functioning adult mm. and i at some point in my career another plan i've got is i want to get comedy into the curriculum because i just believe that yeah. people people kids need to know how to communicate write 
and talk about these terrible things that happen to them in a yeah. way where they can communicate because we're so, all sort of locked inside but if we look at the history of art and the history of everything people the, the best of the best of all are all people that have got a story behind them always always like, always you know even if it's if it's a painter we don't give a shit about him until he's popped it like yeah. you know like the story behind it is the most important thing and, I think and a lot you... of the time that story is tragic if you look at the singers you know the best singers in the world are, are the ones who have experienced the most pain you know a lot of the time and look at our girl Adele the happier she gets <laughs> <laughs> the less hits that happen on the album look at Whitney Oh, Whitney. Tragedy. Look at Amy. You know. And do you know why tragedy is so interesting for people? Tina. Is, Tina. Sorry, oh, my I God. Keep Tina. Thinking. Keep yeah. going. Babe, you could literally, like... Aretha keep... must have had some. I think she did. I don't she know. Billy Holiday. Yeah. I mean, Joni, she... The, the pain of Joni is just like it's just all over her, isn't it? I yeah, mean, she doesn't yeah. necessarily communicate it in on podcasts, but... George Michael. George Elton. Michael. Elton. Mm. Everyone's got... Yeah, look, it a is... journey of a journey of pain that they've had to channel into their art. My most successful weeks on Strictly Come Dancing were the weeks where I brought that stuff into it. So, like yeah. flash dance with my body positivity, and then yeah. the week I spoke about Jenna, but the week I did a Charleston about Victoria Wood, and I wasn't dressed sexy. But that's another conversation we'll have about right how people feel about women on Strictly. Got to be sexy, babes, is it? Don't like me in a pair of dungarees, is it? No, all right. Um, I'm out of the competition. This Seriously, is... that was the week when you wore the dungarees. One week I didn't dress sexy. Oh my god! Out. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> It's funny when you um get out of it, yeah, because it is the greatest show on television, and I recommend. It. Yeah, it was always that was part of your plan, wasn't it? You yeah, wanted to always. do that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I just and do you know what? I did exactly what I wanted to do, which is I'd go in there, and I had this Guardian article that said I'm going to smash Strictly, and for me, I did. That's the um the flash dance routine is the most viewed video on the entire series, online. Um, I think Helen Skelton's cabaret is actually coming up behind me, but I mean, that was fabulous as well. Again, a a, a piece of performance with a lot of story behind it. There's, you know, like all the subtext surrounding her life and everything like, you know, guess what? Really, really popular dance on the show because, do you know what? People are going through this stuff as well. And seeing someone being able to channel that through creativity it's just it's it's just amazing and i would like to encourage a a world in which children are encouraged to channel their their the things that they have going on through comedy through creativity through yeah. creativity and specifically comedy because i just know that world really well and yeah. like, and it has literally been the thing that saved me really yeah i mean what is it about the just the act of talking through something like this makes me get over it makes right. me find humor in it stops it from being so painful because the pain is there and then as soon as you start talking about it over and over and over again you kind of bore yourself i mean i got right. the end at the end of my 2016 show which was about jenna and it was the first time i'd made people sit down and listen to the way i felt when jenna died because yeah. everyone had their own version of the grief and and i had no one listening to me so i Spent five years. It was five years until I put that on because remember the formula, guys. Tragedy plus time, time. equals comedy. Don't do it a week after. Yeah, you need um, the time. You need the time to find it funny and also to be able to handle 
someone from the list giving you two stars. Not that I remember all of my reviews from Batman. Um, <laughs> you need to be able to handle stuff like that as well. Mm. Um, the show was really successful, but there was like one person that gave me a two star review, and it was and the way it was written as well. I remember I, I had a real freak out about it, but it's it's all it's all fine. It's not, it's not affected mm. me at all. Um, but I I think you know, finding some humour in my situation. And, and you know what? Not feeling like a victim. Let's put yeah. it out there. Like yeah. I, you know, like I'm all, my, my best friend, Sophie Willen, who I did Alma's Not Normal with. Who's been on this podcast, who we and love. And she's been on. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, she got me this book. I, <laughs> she's so funny. I talk about this on my uh, new show uh, that I'm touring this year. Brilliant. Um, but lots of it is sold out. So get in quick. It's called Men I Can Save You. And I talk about a time where Sophie and I, we're hanging out and she just sort of she went i want to recommend you something it's called uh it's a book now i know you don't read but it's dead thin um it's called <laughs> breaking free of drama triangle on victim consciousness now don't she be talked a- about that on changes Did too. She? <laughs> she and i have I, she has turned me into some evangelical it's a book you can get it on amazon prime i bought a whole bunch of people this book it's amazing it's dead thin and it just teaches you to keep yourself out of these sort of dramatic things. So when I first saw the drama triangle, I was like, I'm definitely a saviour. All I do is help people. And she was like, that's not good. Yeah. And then it sort of picks apart why each of like the victim and the persecutor and the saviour are yeah. all terrible traits to have and why they don't work in sort of social situations. And ever since that's happened, I've just, I have become really evangelical about it because now mm. I recognise when I am, I'm letting myself be a victim or if I'm trying to save someone because I want to be like shown as being a good person or if I'm actively making someone's life uncomfortable though I would say that I try not to do that one as much as possible but also yeah. at the same time by trying not to be a persecutor so much I then end up becoming a victim because I don't tell people how I'm feeling so it's like a right. real it's a so really it's this constant dance of trying to not fall too hard into any of those categories yeah Wow. I just, boundaries, really. I mean, boundaries are my hardest. I think my Everest is boundaries and being able to tell people close to me that I don't like the way that they're treating me right now. That's so hard. I love meeting new people because I can be this person with new people. Yeah. But it's hard with the people from the past. You're like, nope, that's that's not how this is going to go. Nope, nope, nope. Right, Jade, the biggest change that happened to you as an adult? Losing Jenna. Yeah. And yeah, losing Jenna was definitely the biggest change that happened to me as an adult. There's, there's a, nothing else. There's a quote um, on from something that you wrote on Instagram where, where you said, grieving for her is the most important thing I do and I'm happy to do it forever. Yeah. I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah, it's like it m- makes my life have meaning. Um, yeah. Gives me perspective also stops me from being lonely um i'm never lonely i'm alone but i'm not lonely and um that's okay i'm like sort of um it's what my new series is about actually it's about the new series i've got for itvx that i'm in the middle of filming at the moment yeah ruby speaking it's all about the sort of difference between being lonely and being alone and communication and connectivity and how we're losing that because everyone's texting text 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 all written down no say stuff was there a point when you realised that, when you realised the line and that you were on the side of, that you were alone and not lonely? Like, was there a kind of 
moment where you're like, okay, I'm never going to be lonely because of this. Of this. Yeah, there was. And I'm going to, when I tell you, I'm probably going to cry because it's so, it's so moving. Yeah. But basically, um, <laughs> what you guys can't see is that right now I'm like squeezing my eye, my tear ducts in my eyes. so I can, Under her glasses. So yeah. I can say, so I can just say this. We're like, Ooh. Yeah. but basically in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, but I lived yeah. in Leon C and I was looking out of my window and I had my headphones on these ones actually. And yeah. I was uh, listening to an, a playlist that I'd got the internet to put together called the internet's favorite classical music. Yeah. And I was listening to it on repeat and a piece of music comes on, by Wagner, um, which is Tristan and Isolde, part three, which is the same music that Baz Luhrmann plays over Romeo and Juliet um, at the end, at the very end when they go back in the water. And I was there and I was looking out the window and I uh, was like, oh, and I was in the middle of writing something that I'm writing about me and my sister, but it's about a, a, a sort of 14 year old and a 16 year old. And um, I was looking out the window and I was thinking about like, oh, wouldn't it be just fantastic to have a working class series with like really epic music? So like my favourite movie is Strictly Ballroom. And one of the things I love about it is everyone is rough as hell, but it's all set to classical music. Like you've got the Blue Danube and stuff because it's all ballroom. And I was like, I'd love to do that in a series. Um, So I was like, great, I'm going to have like the older sister character die in the arms of someone she loves. How dramatic would that be like to this piece of music as as she falls? So I called up my script editor and I said, oh, I've... I said, I'm going to have, I'm going to have the older sister character. She's going to die in the arms of someone she loved. And she said, oh, you mean her little sister? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, she loves her little sister the most in the world. She would die in her arms. And I hadn't even considered it. And I realized for the first time ever in that moment, um, because I'd spent 10 years taking the piss out of her in comedy. I um, realized that uh, this was 2020, that I was loved more than probably most people and I spent my whole life running after the most popular people in my in in school or secondary school or university and failing really miserably and actually what I had was the most popular person at school loved me more than and then she loved anyone and what it made me remember is this man who came up to me in my uh my sister's wake he'd been sort of running around trying to get me to talk to him all day and I was so sick of people talking to me because everyone come up yeah. to me and go, oh my God, she was such an angel, Jenna. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. It was an intense day for me that way because everyone thought I'd replaced her and I'm nothing like my sister. I'm not as easy going. Um, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> They and this guy at the end of the wake he came up to me and he was like I've got to go home I need to talk to you and I was like right chill out mate and he said I need to tell you something your sister um, I'm her neighbour in Portsmouth and you need to know that she came round every day and she spoke about you and she loved you very much and she was really proud and I'd completely forgotten that he'd done this and in that moment in 2020 I realised that I've been loved my entire life and actually that love is immortalized forever and she isn't alive anymore to piss me off so she can't even fuck it up (laughs) and like if having that sort of love isn't isn't enough then i'm not well because you have to you have to accept it when it's in front of you and i think that if if my sister's love for me isn't enough then then I need to go and sort some shit out because it's not, it has to be enough to be loved by someone like her. That mm. 11 years later, we are still memorialising by having huge parties in my mum's house and she keeps raising money for them. People still people still care. So yeah. she must have been pretty special. 
you know and and that her love has to be enough and uh i think i've learned that from the relationships i've had in my life that haven't worked which is love has to be enough and if it's not you've got some shit you need to sort out so this scene that you're writing did you change it yeah 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 she dies in the arms of her sister oh i know it's gonna make everyone cry when i get to make it one day I saw you doing call outs in Bristol and getting people with no experience to come in and try out to be part of it. Like, How important is it for you to do that kind of thing in Bristol to be able to go home, take what you've learned and take what you've achieved and kind of try and... It's so important. One of the hardest things about navigating this industry has been navigating it and having to pretend uh, that I care about what privileged people give a shit about and sort of having (laughs) to play a game with them. And like I've been dancing this merry dance for quite some time and what I really want to do is encourage a load of working class people to come and get into an industry because the other thing is and this is what I've learned with being best mates with Sophie Willen as well yeah is do you know why British comedy is really struggling at the moment it's because we have allowed Edinburgh Fringe and I love Edinburgh Fringe it's given me so much but it's not like that for every working class performer but we've allowed Edinburgh Fringe to sort of infiltrate comedy with loads of Cambridge and Oxbridge and Russell educated university graduates and yeah. guess what they've all got the same story they're telling yeah so you don't have any nuance and it's like someone like Sophie Willen comes along who's got this mad life oh, and goodness. loads of experience and the reason why we love Alma's Not Norman it got five stars in the Guardian and five stars in the Daily Mail and the BAFTAs and, yeah. and, the, and loads of BAFTAs and loads of RTS awards is because it's an entirely fresh story which means yeah. it's brand new material it's, it's unique new, it's new jokes. It's new comedy. It's like it's not. It, it's not new. It's it's just what comedy is. But it feels so fresh because it is such a fresh perspective on life. And yeah. that's the thing. Like I don't think everyone who went to all those universities is terrible. Obviously, that's not true. We've we've got some beloved people that have gone to it. I'm just saying, opening up that net, giving people opportunities from backgrounds who haven't got access to agents and stuff every single person who's making a series in this country should be encouraging that there are many people in this industry who are middle class i'm middle class now babes like you should see what i'm doing with my eyes this year like i'm middle class now as well i'm not afraid to say it but people from middle class backgrounds get so offended so quickly but you know sometimes people just want to like say how it is get it out in the open and then move on from stuff and that is takes a certain set of skills and in stressful situations like TV productions and things like that, you, I just yeah. I Sophie, think... Sophie described a, a thing with Alma in the filming of Alma where she, where someone had someone kind of accused her of being difficult yep. or something. I and, remember um, this. She I, found I that can very confirm that, that this that, happened. That's purely like a like a a cultural thing, isn't it? It's it, that's that's just how. That's just her being her and someone disagreeing with how she is being as opposed to... It's cultural, it's class. And I, shall I tell you specifically class. what it is? It's, it's, it's being a it's woman. It's misogyny, yeah. It's being a woman. And, I, and, and I'm going to call a spade a spade, but the biggest problem we've got is the way that people feel about women. And I figured that out when I was on Strictly Come Dancing because the way people feel about women is really re- intense on that. Because like Karen, my partner, do you know she's funny? 
I've watched that show for 17 years. She's been on 11 of them. She's dead funny. Do we know she's funny? We don't. No. Shirley gets loads of stuff on the internet about the way that she um, she marks and stuff. And that apparently it's unfair the way that she marks. And then everyone talks to her about how old she is and how irrelevant she is. And then everyone has a go at her. The way that they talk about Shirley is absolutely crazy. Yet Craig who does the same yeah. stuff, is older, he gets none of it. It's yeah. like Moxie's too much, but Anton's just fine, or Bruno's just fine. Yeah. Like, um, uh, it's it's unfair how Molly, um, who who was who was in last year, she she's musical theatre trained, but no one picks Will Meller up on the fact that he's definitely got training as well. It's, uh, yeah. Jade Adams can't dance because she's fat, but it's okay for Hamza to dance, uh, even though he's fat as well. People right. hate women, yeah. and they definitely hate it when we um, say it how it is. And you know, on our production, we talk about it all the time. We want to create a non-toxic work environment. We want to mm. be in uh, in in a production where people's personal lives are imp- as important as the job in hand as well. So, like someone last year had a thing happen where they um, couldn't come in. So we were like, "What do we need to do to support you? What can we do at work?" And do you know what it meant? It meant that they came in. It meant yeah. that they felt that they could come in during their yeah. uh, during their pain to work because yeah. it made them feel better, and that's the, yeah. one of the best things that I can try and encourage in this industry. But it's bloody hard. There's a lot of people stopping that stuff, you know. Well, it's just so good to see people like you and Sophie coming through and and like undeniably winning to the point where you know you can't be ignored now. You know, when 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 there's BAFTAs and there's awards and you know those big accolades that really mean something to those people. They can't ignore you anymore. They have to listen. They have to open the door for you. Yeah, I. when you've got the support and you've got the fans, that really helps. But what that affords you is not having to take jobs just because they're paying you. You can, you can dictate exactly how you want to work and what you want to make. And that's the luxury that middle class and upper class people have. You know, they are able to, to do the work they want and no. say no to what they want. I got, uh, I got shit I did. Because I did a Sun Bingo advert. Right. And uh, I did a, an advert for the Sun. And bingo, that paid for the kitchen. Paid yeah. for the entire house, Annie. <laughs> right. I bought a house out of that job. And uh, some people gave me some shit on the internet. And I right. sort of messaged them back. And I said, why are you telling me how I can earn my money? I was mm-hmm. a waitress. I earned £7 an hour for 16 years of my life to be able to do what I'm doing. And do you know what? The sun came, came, has come along to me and given me a whole bunch of money. The advert's not shit. Liam Gallagher loved it. It made yep. loads. It's made loads of working class people come and watch my stuff. So now I get yep. to invite a load of people that read the sun, which is the most read newspaper in the country. They come to my shows. And guess what? In my shows, I talk about stuff they might not have heard about, but I make it palatable to them. I'd say I'm doing a lot more for change than than people who constantly have a go at people on the internet about choices they make and yes jane adams <laughs> Drop and, the bo- bike. and i bought a house which i never would have been able to do if if i if i relied on edinburgh fringe because i made forty three thousand pounds worth of tickets and i came out with 6k oh my god i love it right last question go on change you would still like to see now you said you've said a lot in this answer but i do i just want to hone in on one which i loved more compassion for wild women yeah tell me oh wild women i mean i've had to learn myself but just not being offended by someone who is wild a woman specifically understanding the pressures women face 
consistently with every single thing they do, wear, see, feel. And then you get women who have, on top of all of that, gone through abuse Mm. and trauma. Then they have a personality that has reacted to that abuse and trauma. They react to society in a way and there's no empathy and compassion for them at all. And in fact, there's less There is a study that was done about people who give money to homeless men and homeless women and people feel sorrier for homeless men than they do for homeless women. And like like women who like go into sort of sex work. It's really interesting when you talk to people about sex work and stuff. If you've got it in you and you can separate your emotions and your sexuality, like go for it, babes. I wish I could do that a bit better, you know? Yeah. But what ends up happening is because women have to have to be in a certain way and now we've got the kardashians these little robots who constantly make women feel shit and then change themselves based on trend yeah you then have these people that don't fit molds it's like miriam margaloy's right i'm telling Mm. you what if she had a rougher accent we wouldn't like her as much wow if she was on jeremy kyle with a really rough accent if she went on there and she was like and so inc- true. An incredibly Bristolian accent, mm. farting away, saying the <laughs> shit she said. She would not, but she's got like this lovely accent. I'm just saying, like wild women are just, they have the best stories and they are the best people. They just need some love at some point yeah. in their life because the world doesn't offer it to them easily. You know where you stand with a woman like that? Yeah. You yeah. know, like she'll tell you and then she'll move yeah. on and she'll make you a cup of tea, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And it's, I think it's to do with Jenna as well. Like my sister was wild and she was rough and her experiences and uh, of stuff that she's got, she had going on in her life. I was really ashamed of when she was alive. And I, I think part of this need to, for everyone to show compassion is actually something I want to just do for myself, which is to, is to find the joy in talking to people from all different walks of life. Because in that I'm going to find great stories and I'm going to, and I'm going to be able to tell stories forever if i allow people like that to infect me Mm. rather than allowing the same person over and over again to affect me you know it's why i've gone back to bristol holding on to normality for me is just like it's like so important to my writing and my storytelling and bristol's dead happy i've been uh, voted coolest person in bristol doesn't surprise Uh, me in the least and um did you have to accept that award somewhere did you have to like I just, I think I had to retweet it. It's from the Bristol Evening Post. I've, okay. I'm so thrilled. But I've also been, I, I am currently um, person of the year for Bristol 24-7 magazine oh my God. as well. They're really happy for me to be home. I hope next year I get to turn the lights on for Christmas. Yes, Jay! <laughs> Put it in your plan. It's in my plan. Put it in the plan. Turning the lights on for Bristol. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jade Adams, thank you so much this has been the best way to spend a Monday morning I could wish for thank you thanks so much for having me Annie and it's I tell you what it's an absolute honour to even be asked to be on this podcast it's gorgeous oh Jade Adams what a woman just oh I just loved her I love her I'm her biggest fan So if you want to consume more of Jade Adams, (laughs) go on Amazon Prime and watch her show on there. It's called Serious Black Jumper. See if you can book tickets, if there's any left, that is, for Men I Can Save You, her new show, touring the UK in March. And of course, watch out for the new Ruby Speaking show, which is going to be coming out, as I said, on ITV2. Please share this with anyone who you know who you think will enjoy 
Jade's company. And thank you as always so much for listening to Changes. It means the world. If you liked it, please go ahead and rate it, review it, even subscribe to it. Go crazy. Uh, And also share the podcast on social media. That's always a good one too. We will be back next week and we'll be releasing episodes every single Monday for the foreseeable future. Got some amazing conversations on the horizon. Changes is produced by Louise Mason through DIN Productions. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.